Hello, welcome to the Doctors In podcast. We're here today to talk about health topics by healthcare students and their relevance to young professionals. Today, we're going to talk about skin health, using sunscreen, and the risk of skin cancer. We're also going to discuss how you can be an active participant in your skin health. My name is Nathan, and this is Ben. Hi, I'm Ben Martin, and we're both physical therapy students here at the University of Iowa. And today we're interviewing Pavani Gorpati. She's completed her undergraduate degree in history of science medicine in public health at Yale University, is currently a fourth year medical student at the University of Iowa interested in dermatology, and is the author of the children's book, I Am More Than My Hair, which follows one girl's journey of losing her hair due to alopecia. Welcome, Pavani. So do you just want to start us off by giving us a little brief summary about kind of what you wrote about? For sure. So my article touched upon, you know, the importance of skin health, the importance of wearing sunscreen regularly, um, and just being cognizant overall in terms of monitoring your skin um, and going to see your dermatologist for skin checks regularly. Um, A lot of people um, talk about like the opposites of skin exposure and talk about how um, moderate skin and Um, exposure to the sun can be beneficial for levels of like vitamin D and you know can have effects on circadian rhythm um, especially getting like morning sunshine Um, what would you say to people who kind of argue that yeah so um, so I just want to preface and say that you know all the recommendations that I'm going to be discussing today are um, given by the American Academy of Dermatology which is a governing body of um, dermatology in the field and the profession itself so if if anyone has any questions they should always you know go to their primary care provider or go to their dermatologist first and foremost Um, but in terms of you know vitamin D and this issue of circadian rhythm kind of what the stance is currently is that Vitamin D shouldn't necessarily be the primary source where you're obtaining kind of that nu- that um, that nutrient by mm-hmm. UV radiation. So, in other words, because of the risk that you have to developing skin cancer, it's never recommended to be outside without sunscreen intentionally or to gain exposure to sunlight just for the benefits of vitamin D. Oh, that's interesting. Didn't know that. Um, so the rec- any- yeah. So the recommendations are to like eat foods that are high in vitamin D, such as fortified foods, orange juice, yogurt, um, tuna, salmon, eggs, swordfish. Mm-hmm. So just ma- making sure you know, you're know you ingesting and eating mm-hmm. healthy foods for your body. Oh, yeah. Good to know. That is interesting. Is there any advice that you would have for someone who's already had a great deal of sun exposure in their life? So for instance, someone who's always outside hiking or playing sports and they just have never used sunscreen. Yeah, for sure. I would say that it's never too late to be cognizant of your skin health right now um, and start wearing sunscreen regularly, specifically SPF 30 and above is what um, dermatologists recommend. Um, Wearing sun protective clothing, making sure that you avoid tanning beds. Um, So these, you know, it's never too late to be proactive. I would also, if you have a large history of sun exposure, I would make sure to make an appointment with your dermatologist to have your skin checked, especially if you have a family history of skin cancer or a large history of sun exposure or other risk factors like tanning bed use. Um, I would also say that you know you know your skin best, you see it every single day, so if you notice any changes um, on your body or you notice any suspicious lesions, I would say make an appointment. It's never, it never hurts, um, and it's better to you know, catch things early. Well, judging by your other answers, I have a feeling I know the uh, answer to this next question, but um, does the same kind of advice apply to those who you know, just tan really well 
or have um, naturally darker skin with lots of melanin in it or um, really never seem to burn. Yeah, so definitely regardless of your skin color, regardless if you tan easily, you can, you can still burn, you're still susceptible to sun-induced skin damage like sunspots, wrinkles, and skin cancers. You know, no one is immune to getting a skin cancer um, and the sun's damage from, you know, the UV rays can happen to anyone. I figured the yeah. lens up. I definitely am someone who doesn't wear sunglasses very often. Um, can you kind of talk about the long-term effects of sun exposure on the eyes? For sure. So um, just like your skin, it's important to protect your eyes from UV radiation. So the UV radiation can cause damage to the eye surface, specifically the tissues of the cornea and the lens. So too much UV exposure can increase your risk of eye diseases such as cataracts, you know, eye cancers. It can lead to growths near the eye. Um, and a lot of other issues, you know, that are a little bit more technical, but those are, you know, some of the main things to be aware of, that you increase your risk overall of other eye disorders um, and malignancies later down the line. That totally makes sense. I should, I should also start wearing sunglasses more. Um, okay, to kind of follow up on that, um, so I am someone who, uh, I know people can't see me, but I have kind of redder hair, very light skin, very fair. Uh, lots of freckles, which I know are lots of risk factors for <laughs> developing skin cancer, unfortunately. You are a prime candidate. <laughs> <laughs> but for myself, if I'm looking for signs of skin cancer in my own body, do you have some simple things people can use to kind of like look out for those like early signs? For sure. So the main warning signs that you want to be aware of are changes in the size of any kind of lesion or spot on your body, any change in the shape, any change in the color or of a mole or another skin lesion. Um, Additionally, like the appearance of a sore that doesn't heal, that's itching, that's bleeding, those are all signs that are concerning and those are all signs, you know, if you see that, to make an appointment with a dermatologist. Um, and so that, you know, those are probably the main ones that I would try to keep aware of and, and uh, make sure that you're monitoring on a daily basis. Sounds good. I don't think I have too many scary moles. Um, we actually just got done in class doing a little like skin check on each other, and mm -hmm. uh, my partner um, had like a hundred moles on his body. Yeah, yeah, and he has just a lot to keep track of. I know. I I've seen to kind of struggle with this because every time that we kind of talk about you know integumentary management, because we're going to be seeing people and we're going to have our hands on patients, and like so we have the opportunity to look at a lot of sure. skin lesions, but it's always the pictures that they provide us is always white people. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm like, oh, well that's super obvious. For sure. Have you, has there kind of been a shift towards providing more education to healthcare providers about like how this looks skin of in color. different skins yeah. of color? Yeah, for sure. That is like a hot topic right now. Um, within the last few years, that's a big shift that the field of dermatology is really undergoing. You know, a lot of the textbook images also and the materials that you use are on, you know, paler skin and you're not really seeing these different pathologies yeah. on skin of color. Um, so that's a great, you know, really important point, you know, to be able to give equitable care, you know, in our healthcare system to really know what we're looking at. So that's definitely something that is being, you know, tackled and really improved as we speak by several talented dermatologists across the country, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, that's good. 
And I know, so for a lot of people in the summer, you go to the pool, you know, you put your sunscreen on, you put your sunscreen on your kids, whoever you're watching, and then they just go and jump straight in the pool. Mm -hmm. How does that affect waterproof or non-waterproof sunscreen? Because no matter how waterproof you make a sunscreen, clearly, I would think that something would happen <laughs> yeah, to like it if you're jumping just getting in the, pool. in the pool. For sure, yeah. So the recommendation is that when you're outdoors that you should reapply sunscreen every two hours or after swimming or sweating. So some sunscreens are water resistant, which is the terminology, but no sunscreen is waterproof or sweat proof. Okay, so sunscreen manufacturers are actually not really allowed to use these terms because that's misleading. Um, so even after using like a water resistant sunscreen, you should directly reapply it after sweating or swimming right after. So how long should I wait like once I apply before I jump in the water for it to like yeah, so for sure. they uh, So dermatologists typically recommend 15 to 20 minutes, you know, just mm -hmm. making sure that, you know, it has a good layer and it's absorbed. And, and it also depends on the type of sunscreen that you're using, whether it's physical blocker or chemical sunscreen. But, you know, all that information is kind of available regularly on the bottle. And then kind of the recommendations there is what you should follow as well. Um, kind of a follow-up. Uh, you talked about in your article... Um, how different clothing can have different SPFs. Correct, yeah. Um, but I never really hear of anyone with like a very low SPF clothing getting burned through their shirt. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do and I just don't know about it. Um, can you kind of talk about like some of the like unseen effects of like wearing like a very like light, like white t-shirt? Yeah. It doesn't like appear to, you know, for you to get burned, but really you're for taking sure. damage. You're still getting that UV kind of damage, and you're still getting that UV radiation. So even though you know it might be lower, it's just like if you are thinking you're wearing a sunscreen that is SPF 10. You know how beneficial is that compared to an SPF that is 30 or greater, like what is recommended? I think the same analogy can be used to sun protective clothing, right? So obviously there's more benefit, and even though you might not see the damages, the damage is happening regardless one take-home point you have for listeners so like um, I've heard all this information about you know skin health and sunscreen today what would be like the thing you want them to remember other than like not avoiding tanning bed use and <laughs> applying sunscreen regularly I would say it's important to be as proactive as possible you know if you catch things early if you go take care of your health earlier the earlier the better because the sooner we catch things um, you know the worse the outcome could potentially be uh, anyone can develop melanomas and those have devastating consequences. So, you know, if you have any concerns, if you see any changing lesions, um, go to your PCP or go to your dermatologist and schedule an appointment is kind of my take-home message. That's good. So something that most of our listeners probably don't realize is that you're actually the founder of the Doctors Inn. Correct, yeah. So kind of give us a little insight on what gave you the idea to start this prog progress project. <laughs> For sure. So I started the doctors in like the idea in like 2018. I pitched the idea to the Daily Iowan, um, who was the then editor in chief, was Gage Miskimen, um, and you know it was like a pitch meeting. You know, what is this article going to be like? What um, is the format going to look like? How regularly are you going to do it? Um, so we we're developing that, and we you know developed the set criteria, and then. Um, in January of 2019 is kind of when we started uh, really implementing it and having students write for the newspaper and publish their pieces. And then um, 
then Vijay and Riley Moore, uh, they kind of took over the uh, the doctor is in kind of overall, and they've really expanded and grown it within the last year and a half or so. So it's been really cool to see the growth since 2018. It has been awesome to see Vijay and Riley have really like thought about how can we make this more, uh, which is really cool that they've kind of ran with the idea. For sure. Um, so we talked a little bit when we introduced you about how you've written a children's book, um, but do you have any um, background in writing that kind of thought that this might be a good fit for you? And then kind of expand on that. How did you get others on board with this project idea? So how it was like your cell? Like, why is this important? Yeah, for sure. So my ba- I've always loved to write ever since I was little. Um, I was a history of science, medicine, and public health major in undergrad. So, you know, that entailed a ton of writing, um, which is what I voluntarily chose to do because I really loved it and enjoyed it. And so that's kind of where the background of kind of my love and my passion for writing was. So when I got to medical school, you know, I loved the material. I loved learning learning about you know the sciences and the pathology but I was kind of missing that creative outlet and I really wanted um, an area to express that and I thought this would be a great opportunity to you know give to my fellow classmates who are interested not only in the humanities but also medical journalism um, and that was kind of the idea and how I pitched it you know anybody can publish anything if you're interested in you know communicating health knowledge through medical journalism, this would be definitely the way. Um, And just, you know, also giving them the option if they want to publish anything about their research or anything cool that they're doing on campus, that's also an option. So it's just really getting, you know, healthcare information out there, getting, you know, um, students engaged with, you know, presenting kind of public information. What metrics of success have you seen from the column? Um, Is there any feedback that you've really loved that you've gotten? And what ideally in a dream situation like where does this end yeah for sure so hopefully doesn't end so the goal of this kind of doctors in is to have it kind of self-sustaining you know it's not dependent on me and that's you know proven to be successful with you know with the job that Riley and Vijay has have really taken on Um, so it's really meant to be sustainable from here onwards um, that you know any student can take this on and continue writing and publishing pieces through the Carver College of Medicine and Daily Iowan. I think how we monitored that measure that is really engagement on a student level but also feedback from the community so We've gotten messages from undergrads and from people not even who are students who are just members of the Iowa City community saying, you know, this article on meditation really helped me. Um, One student read about opioid overdose and actually um, kind of sought resources through um, the uh, Harm Reduction Coalition. Um, So, you know, just hearing those kind of stories really makes me aware that, you know, how little of a difference it is making somebody's reading this and somebody is, you know, having benefit from it. Um, in terms of end goal for this, this should you know self continue. <laughs> you know how it's expanded to include the dental school and the PT school has been incredible, um, and so that's just been really uh, rewarding to watch. Yeah, I have read it before. Obviously, Vijay brought us on to start this podcast, and just seeing like the listener metrics that we've had in the last few days since mm-hmm. we published the oh. first one is pretty crazy. I mean, every day I go on, it's hundred more hits yeah. and downloads so we're pretty excited about that That's we awesome. are very excited it's kind of scary because like oh, I know I'll listen to this and then <laughs> you'll actually listen yeah. and uh, you're like oh crap people are actually gonna hear this um, so I think it's time for you to ask your yeah, question which we have you probably one got final a teaser. question okay. you did okay. if you listen to Archie's episode so the question that we've been asking all of our guests 
in a fight, who would win? 250 angry chickens uh-huh. or a polar bear? Oh, interesting. Um, maybe 250 angry chickens. Is that the wrong answer? There, there, I mean, there is no right answer. There is no right answer. The size... Yeah, what is the size of the chickens? You didn't give me enough. You I know. mean, it's like your <laughs> Iowa farm chicken. License. Well, okay, an Iowa farm chicken. They're monstrous chickens. Then. Yeah, they're, they're big chickens. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. fair. That's what. That's what. That's how Arshi felt as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is. You know, their um, beaks. So I'm waiting shy. for a polar bear. Here, here's my thing. Um, so, I mean, lots of times, little birds gang up on like a big bird, but yeah. like they work together. I feel like chickens wouldn't work together. They're just like. Like they don't have that sort of like mentality. Okay. They would. Okay. Would <laughs> no, but oh, in, this, okay. in this false scenario. <laughs> this scenario. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for starting this project in general, oh, and you. we're really excited. Good luck thank on you. residency interviews. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. Yes, thank you so much. Join us next week. Um, we have a column with dental students. Um, talking about some really important subjects on mental health. So look forward to that coming out.